0: Amen. Well, let's look in the book of Exodus, Exodus um, chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. We want to begin reading in uh, verse 13. It's our annual church meeting tonight, so I thought I'd share something about ministry and out of uh, Exodus chapter 18, uh, beginning in uh, verse 13. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. And Moses', the, uh, Moses father-in-law saw all that he did to the people. He said, "What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, "Because the people come unto me to inquire of God? And when they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou shalt surely wear out, both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee, thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice, and I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Uh, be thou for the uh, people of, of uh, to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter uh, they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge, and so uh, so shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, uh, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened unto the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over people, rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged all the people at the seasons. At all seasons. The hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own country. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to get, be together tonight. And uh, Lord, we're just thankful for this new year and the new opportunities that we have uh, to be able to minister the word of God. And, uh, in Ocean County Baptist Church, Lord, in, the, in this area of Ocean County, uh, we're able to reach out to others and be a blessing and be a help. And, Lord, we rejoice in those opportunities. Uh, but, Lord, we also are mindful of the fact that, uh, uh, that you place a call on each of us to fulfill the obligations and responsibilities that are laid before us. And, Lord, we want to be diligent and doing the work of the ministry. We want to be able to manage the work of God very well. And so we need your wisdom tonight as we go into our annual church meeting. Uh, Lord, we need your help as we go into this new year. And uh, God, we just need to experience an anointing and move of God that enables us to do greater things, uh, to be able to give greater opportunities, to be able to increase the knowledge of Christ with those around us. And so Lord I pray you bless the preaching of the word of God in a special way tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 21. Says moreover thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And so uh, ministry opportunities. Uh, We're into a new year. Uh, We're going to be having our annual church meeting here in just a few moments. And uh, it reminds us of the great... Many, many opportunities that God gives us every year, every day, every week that, he, uh, that we're ministering here. God gives us great opportunities to be able to uh, follow the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be able to be a help to others. But the reality is, and when we talk about ministry, is that every one of us need to be concerned about in discerning the will of God for our life and being involved in the ministry. And I believe that God has a plan, God has a purpose for each one of us, and I believe that God wants us to be devoted and committed to the local church. And uh, Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so the devotion, the commitment, the resolve in the Christian's life is to be connected with and building the local church. I'm very strong when it comes to local church ministries. And uh, I believe that that is an organization that God established through which we were to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Church growth requires commitment on every part of every church member. And uh, here's a couple of quotes I came across I thought were kind of interesting. Here's one. It says, commitment is not ability, but rather dependability. And oftentimes people say, well, I just couldn't do whatever the ministry may be in the church. I just don't have that ability. Uh, I have found this, if people are willing to be devoted and committed to a ministry opportunity, God will grow them in grace and equip them and enable them uh, to be a part of that ministry. And uh, I've just found over the years that uh, you can overcome inability with commitment. Just being dependable, being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, there's many things, listen, many things that I do in ministry today that I absolutely had no idea of how to do it years ago. And uh, we didn't have anybody to do it. No one would step up the plate to do it. I stepped in and do it. And I didn't know what I was doing. And the Lord has taught me and grown me in those areas so that I can do things. There, there's things that you can do in ministry that you don't think you can do. You just need to be faithful to God and committed to the will and the call of God uh, to fulfill them and God will show you what he can do through your life that is surrendered. Here's another great uh, uh, quote. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in was, has left you. <laughs> You know, I don't know about you, there's been a lot of things I was like, yeah, man, this is exciting. I'm going to get involved in it. And after I got involved in it, I was like, what in the world was I thinking? And, uh, but commitment is going beyond and continuing on when all the enthusiasm and all the excitement is gone. And the reality is, uh, life does get challenging, ministry does become overwhelming. And what you thought was going to be exciting all of a sudden isn't that exciting anymore. And I remember when I was in Bible college and, man, I just wanted to, when I went off, I wanted to be involved in ministry. And right away, as soon as I got to Bible college and joined Emmanuel Baptist Church, I said, well, I need to be involved in the ministry. What can I do? Oh, you need to be on the bus ministry. I was like, hey, man, I like driving bus. I'm going to be involved in that. And then you get on there and kids are screaming and howling and they're dirty and they're throwing up on the bus. And, and then you're at church and all of a sudden the clutch rod comes off and you can't drive the bus. And you're in your suit and tie underneath the bus fixing the clutch and uh, so you can get the kids home or you'd be out. We had one bus that uh, was an old army bus. And uh, uh, I remember it leaked transmission fluid really bad, so you had to make sure it was full. You fill it up when you leave and carry something with you in case it ran out when you were out there. It was snowing, I mean, it was probably about 10 degrees outside. Wind blowing 90 mile an hour, snowing to beat the band. And uh, all of a sudden that transmission started slipping. And so I, I had to pull the, you have to pull the cover off the back seat to get to the engine to put the transmission fluid in. Of course, transmission fluid is red, and it's leaking all over the road and everything else. And one of the kids, he come running up to me, Mr. Waggle, Mr. Waggle, the bus is bleeding. And I said, well, amen, there's power in the blood, amen. So I had to go back and fill that thing up. And I'm just telling you, it, they were not exciting times in the bus ministry. But we had some great exciting times as we stayed faithful and committed to that ministry. And we saw multitudes of kids get saved, adults, moms and dads got saved through that bus ministry. But that meant in order for it to be successful, you had to keep going when the excitement was gone. And sometimes when you get in ministry, people get all excited and charged up about doing something in ministry. And then when they get into the every week mundane Involvement of doing that ministry, all of a sudden they lose all hope, and they lose all interest, and then they step by the wayside. Norman Vincent Peale said this: "It is always too early to quit." And uh, you know, there's a lot of quitting places along the way in our, our lives, and uh, and we have to just get the idea that uh, we just need to keep going on. I remember, Doctor Malone preaching a message. Entitled Quit Ye Like Men. And I remember him preaching. He said, You know how men quit? They get up against the obstacle and they go, Okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> and I said, Amen. And we just don't quit. It's always too early to quit. Don't give up on a ministry. You don't know. God may be getting ready to bust that thing open and, and bring a blessing that you're not aware of. You're going to miss out on the joy of the blessing if you stop early. I like what Winston Churchill said. He says, I am easily satisfied with the very best. And it's always easy to be satisfied with the very, very best. But the reality is we're not always dealing with the very best. People get excited about a church and then they think it's wonderful and it's great. And then when they get involved, they find out it's not so wonderful and great. And they become dissatisfied. But what's amazing to me is they'll quit church, but their job they won't quit. That job ain't completely good and right and always best their relationships they have in a community isn't always good and profitable and blessed Uh, we go through struggles and problems in every area of our life and so yes it is easy to be satisfied with the best but you know what whatever is wrong you can make it better you can strive to build it you can strive to encourage others in that and Moses, his job was to lead the children of Israel. And Moses' father-in-law comes to him because he was wearing himself out. Because he was listening to every issue and every problem and every difficulty that every person in Israel was going through. Can you imagine that? There was an excess of one and a half million people brought out of uh, Egypt. And Moses' taking Moses father-in-law said, the thing you're doing is not good he said, you need to appoint some other people, and and you need to get others involved in taking care of the needs of God's people. Otherwise, you're going to burn yourself out, and you're going to burn others out also. And uh, it's just interesting over the years, and I've heard this for years, that, you know, people have always said to me, people are always saying, you know, Pastor, you need to take it easy. You need to lighten your load. All right, why don't you lighten the load? (laughs) I have something I'll gladly give you. And, but you don't see them volunteering to say, I'll take the load off. And uh, so, you know, I, I try to, uh, uh, I was visiting someone the other day in the hospital. And it was, it, he told me, he said, Pastor, how do you study for sermons and run this school and make all these visits and everything else? And I said, I have no idea. I just get my car. I drove here. That's how I did this one. And uh, uh, what, what am I saying? I'm saying that I have to deliberately balance out my schedule so as not to burn myself out, because if I burn myself out, what good am I going to be to you? When you need me to be there to be a helper, encouragement, I'm not going to be able to do it. And so ministry opportunities. There's constant ministry opportunities uh, to be able to be fulfilled. I, I thought about junior church and Sunday school teachers. It really is not that hard. The junior church, you can uh, be involved in junior church and set up a schedule once a month. Couple times a month, whatever. Uh, you can, you know, oh, I could never do junior church. They're kids. They're not that difficult. Amen. Kids will do what you tell them to do. You say, no, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> then bribe them. Amen. <laughs> do whatever. They need to minister. It's not a lot of work. You think about it. If you're going to be prepared as a Sunday school teacher, a junior church worker, then what you, you ought to spend at least 15 minutes a day reading your material and praying over your material. And then you go in the class, it's a 45 minute class and you're not teaching for 45 minutes. So what are you, what are you dedicating an hour, hour and a half or a whole week to be able to teach a lesson would be a blessing to kids, be able to lead some child to the Lord. I mean, how, how, how much of an effort does it take to be able to do that? Uh, choir. We have a one-hour choir practice a week. That's it. Amen. We'd have to have two if Jim was in there, but that's all right. <laughs> it, 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 the average song takes three minutes to sing. So, boy, this is a real burden to be in the choir because we have to dedicate three minutes of my Sunday to sing. You know, come on, folks. Ministry's not that difficult. And some of you can really sing. Some of you can't, so don't get in the choir. (laughs) But some of you can really sing. And you need to get in the choir. We're working right now on our Christmas musical we're going to be doing. Oh, Christmas. I mean, Easter musical. I'm already (laughs) past Easter going into Christmas. Amen? And so if you can sing, you need to get in the choir. If If you can carry an almost tune... Uh, try to get in a choir. We'll help you out. Uh, soul winning. You can talk to people every day. You can go to a restaurant. You can go in the in the, in the uh, grocery store. You can you can be a soul winner. You can come out on visitation. We're going to be doing visitation on Saturday mornings. Going out, try to invite people. We have a goal for this year to try to knock on every door in Ocean County. That's a, this and that's that is an impossibility. But all things are possible to him that believeth. And we can do that if everybody gets involved. We can't do it if two or three people spend 22 hours or 50 hours a week going soul winning. But if we have 200 people that says, I'll dedicate one hour every week to go out soul winning, you can do that. It's not that difficult to be involved in ministry. Uh, Wednesday night's children's church, whether it be in Juana, working in Juana, Uh, It's not a difficult time. You can come in, be crowd-controlled, do whatever, and uh, you can get involved in helping kids memorize Scripture. You know, it's amazing. I've always enjoyed the bus ministry, and I've always enjoyed the Iwana program because you're sitting down with kids and watching them get excited about learning the Word of God. And uh, there's nothing greater than that. Nursery, you can dedicate an hour a week in the nursery or uh, an hour a month or something like that to be in the nursery. Uh, Bus ministry may take a little bit more time and commitment. If you're going to go out soul winning and going to work on the bus, it takes a while to go out and pick up the kids and and, uh, take them home. But I'll tell you, if there's one ministry that I would love to be involved in, but I can't because I'm the pastor, it's the bus ministry. And, uh, you know, church planning. You know, I told my wife several years ago, I've always had on my heart about starting a church down in Manahawken area. And I told my wife, it was probably about six, seven years ago. I told her, I said, hon, I'm going to go down to Manahawken and start knocking on doors and start a Bible study down there. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, I just want, I just would, I'm burdened for those people. There needs to be a good church down there. And I'm, I think I'm going to go down, and start, a, have our church Wednesday night here, and then Thursday night have a Bible study down there, and plant a church while pastoring this church. And I praise God for a wise wife that beat me to death, amen, and told me you're not going to do that. But it's not that hard, folks. It just isn't that hard to do ministry. We need to let God give us a burden to do the ministry, and then we work together and carry the burden together. We could plan a church if we had people that are willing to get involved in planning that church and be willing to be under the authority of the local church. And uh, so we have to be careful about those things. Discipleship. Who are you discipling? I mean, who was the last person that you sat down and spent one hour a week just going through a discipleship book to help them to grow in their faith. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. You can get the book, and we'll give you the answers to the book. Just sit down and help somebody. You realize this, that you've been saved any amount of time at all. A person who is newly saved, you know a whole lot about the Bible that they absolutely do not know. And when I first started going soul, when I first started doing discipleship, Oh, uh, I didn't think I knew much, but I found out I didn't know much, but the people I was talking to knew less than what I did. And so, as I was teaching them and helping them grow in their faith, I was learning myself and growing in my faith. And so, just preaching and teaching the Word of God, I feel like I get more out of my sermons than you do. And it's because I have to study to put it together. Then I have to review it to get ready to preach it. Then I got to stand up here and preach. And while I'm preaching, God's bringing all kinds of things to my mind and showing me things. When I was reading through this passage, I said, Well, I got to preach on that. I got to mention that first. God starts showing me things and teaching me so I know I get more out of it than what you can get because of your attention span. People's attention spans are limited. But think of how much you could learn and how much you could experience if you just reach out to help somebody else. Just help out somebody else. Patch Club on Sunday nights. And uh, to be involved with the Patch Club. Uh, Help out uh, uh, Johnny and Marie back there. Uh, Bring some kids to the Patch Club. You know, it's all right for us to bring other children who are not our children to church. To be involved in a ministry. And so there's all kinds of areas of ministry that can be experienced in the local church. And uh, the church has been this church has been here. this is our 40th year, that the church has been here. It's my 25th year. And over all those years, all these different types of ministries have been experienced and uh, 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 developed, and even more than what I've mentioned. But it has always taken people, who are willing to resolve in their heart and their mind that they're gonna be a part of the team of ministering in Ocean County Baptist Church. I'm not just gonna go to church to get something for myself. I'm going to church so I can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ so I can minister to someone else. That's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Well, that's all introductory thoughts. Let me give you just a couple of things real quick out of our text verse here. I want you to see, first of all, the resource. Ministry resources in verse 21, our text verse, says, moreover thou shalt provide out of all the people able men. So every church has all kinds of resources to be able to build ministry opportunities. And what are those resources? It's the people in the church. Uh, you know, the church isn't going to grow, or the church isn't going to be built because of people who are outside of the church who are unsaved. The church is going to be built, and it's going to grow because of the people within the church. This is your church. It's my church, and it's amazing that we we have this. I I, I just have seen over the years this kind of reservation of not being too bold about saying this is my church, this is your church. Many of you have been saved here. Most of you have been saved here. Most of you have been baptized here. Most of you have grown in in the grace and knowledge of the Lord in this place. Most of you have been involved in ministry in this place. This church has had an impact on your life personally and your family. This is your church. It's all right to acknowledge the fact that, hey, Ocean County Baptist Church is my church. And it has resources for ministries, and that resource that it has in ministry for ministry is me. It's you. That's the resources. Notice, uh, I thought about Abraham. Abraham, God chose Abraham out of a nation. And uh, he said, Come out of the land of the Ur of Chaldees unto the land that I'll show you. He called him, he chose him out of a nation. Uh, God has chosen us for a ministry to perform. God not only chose Abraham out of a nation, but God chose David out of a family in 1 Samuel 16. And, uh, uh, you know, if you're saved, you're born again, you're here, you have the opportunity to minister in this church. God has saved you out of your family to minister in this place. I just, I just think of my wife and I, we got saved. Uh, her family is not in, in the ministry, but God chose her from her family to go out in the ministry. I think of myself, God call, chose me out of my family. Nobody in my family was in ministry. Uh, and uh, even though my mother was a Christian, she got saved when she was 13 years old, I really was not raised in a Christian home. My relatives had no knowledge whatsoever of what it meant to be saved. There was no Christian witness at all. And the fact that I would get saved and God would immediately call me to go into ministry, God chooses us out of our families to do ministry. You're the link that God has chosen to reach your family for Christ. And I know many of you have been praying for family members for long times. But may I say this, you keep on praying, you keep on ministering, and you let God use you in his church for his glory, and God will reach out and touch your family. So he chose David out of a family. You know he chose the Apostle Paul out of religion. And Paul was of the most straightest sect of Pharisee, but it was the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road that God called and chose to be uh, the writer, the majority writer of the New Testament. He chose him to be the church planner that would uh, oversee and fulfill missionary journeys in the book of Acts. God chose him out of religion. And when you think about ministry opportunities, it is based on God's choosing us or calling us or bringing us out of those type of situations. And I thought of this, that God has chosen us by his grace. If we are able to do anything for God at all, it is because of the grace of God that has been extended to us. Uh, This church is here by God's grace. And our Christian school is here by God's grace. The only way this place can continue to function and exist and impact people's lives is by the grace of God that flows through every believer that's a member of this church. And so the resources, we have resources, multitudes of people to be able to minister. The resource, I often think on Sundays as I shake hands when people are leaving the church, and I think what a mighty army we have going out into the communities. What a mighty witness that we have, people going out of the church and going back into their house into their, Back to their families, back to their community, back onto their jobs. What a tremendous witness that we have. And God has chosen each and every one of us to be that witness. So the resources. I see there's reverence. Notice he says here that he should provide out of the people, able men, such as fear God. And so God wants people involved in ministry opportunities that fear him. Uh, we're not, listen, ministry is not about boasting about ourselves. It's not about getting financially ahead. It's not about building up great prestigious types of relationships. It is simply fearing God. That's all it is. Uh, you think of this when you fear God, that means God is first. Matthew 6 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so God is first. That means he is my priority. The priority, the focus of our life is Christ. It is not other things. It is Christ. Yes, we have your family. Yes, you have your job. Yes, you have your community. Yes, you have all these things. But your priority in life is Jesus Christ. He is not second or third or fourth or fifth on our list of things. He is number one on the list. Why? Because it is God first. Everything, every decision is God first. We establish that priority in our ministry opportunities. Uh, God is most. A fearing of God is not just saying God is first, but it's a God is most. That means he is my praise. In Psalm 18:1 says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. And he is praising God, acknowledging the fact that the most powerful, most blessed experience that he has is the love that he has for the Lord, his God, because his God is a strength. And so my praise is Jesus Christ. We come in the church. I don't worry about people sitting around me. And if I want to shout amen, I'm going to shout amen. Amen. Because I'm not concerned about everybody else. I'm concerned about my God. And God impresses on my heart to shout hallelujah, glory to God, or whatever. I am, I, when I come in the church, I'm there for a purpose, and that's to glorify the Lord. He's the most. There is nothing that is better than my God. So he is my praise. God is best. And he is best because he is my portion. And by that, what I mean, the value for my life is based on who God is. He is my best. And so when you think about doing ministry, I think it was old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, anything less than your best is a sin. And why is that? Because God is the best. And God has given us his best. And he continues to give us his best. And so my portion, my value of who I am is based on the reality of who my God is. Uh, Wednesday night, I started a um, a message, and I'm going to finish it up this week, on the integrity of God. And I think many times we don't take time to stop and think about the majesty and the person of the God who saves us and, and delivers us and uses us. So he is best. He is first, he's most, and he's best. Psalm 36, 8 says, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Uh, We enjoy life based on who our God is and what he does in our life. So Moses, you're wearing yourself out. You're wearing the people out. Uh, You need to sit up a structure here on how to minister and establish ministry opportunities. And the way you do that, you draw from the resources that you have and you draw men and women who have a reverence for God. Notice the next thing, there's the righteous. In verse 21, it says, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of the people able men such as fear God, men of truth. So the righteous. They're men of truth because of the fact that life is an example. Uh, Jesus said, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. The Apostle Paul challenges young Timothy, be thou an example. And over and over again, I think the greatest challenge that we have in the realm of being truthful, being honest, being righteous, is to know that you are an example to others. There is somebody who is watching you. And they're wanting to see how you're going to respond. I remember years ago, I was down in the Biding Creek. Uh, the church lawnmower broke and one of the church members lived across from the church, an older fellow. Uh, he couldn't be happy about anything. If it was raining, he would be upset because the sun wasn't shining. If the sun was shining, he'd be upset because it wasn't raining. The water is gardened. I mean, you couldn't make him happy if your life depended upon it. I remember I was working on the lawnmower and you get, you, know, you get those situations where you're trying to get something to hook up and trying to get it to work and it just won't work and I'm laying on my back and I'm trying to reach up underneath there and I'm like I can't believe this and finally after him standing there for about 20 minutes watching me he finally said well I just want you to know I'm waiting to see if you're going to lose your temper or not <laughs> I, I looked at him and I said well gee thanks it might be nice if you got down here and helped me that same fella got mad at me because he came to church one day, and it was just before I was getting ready to get preach. and he came in the front door of the church, and he comes over to me and tells me, he says, you know, there's some tree branches laying out there on the sidewalk. Oh, Somebody's going to trip on them. You ought to pick them up. I'm just getting ready to get up in pulpit and preach. I looked at him, and I said, well, if I have the strength to pick them up, you do too. Why don't you go outside and get them picked up? And he got mad at me about it. I can't imagine that. (laughs) We're supposed to be an example. He was looking at me as I'm supposed to be an example, but he wasn't acknowledging his part in this matter of being an example too. He was the elderly man that had been in the church practically all of his life in that local church. Wouldn't it have been nice for him to be a good example to his new pastor? The righteous, we want men, we want people in ministry opportunities that are honest people because they need to be an example. The spirit is exemplified. Paul deals with this over and over again through book of Ephesians and Philippians uh, that we are to be spiritual people. And people need to be able to see the spirit of God resting upon us, walking in the spirit so as not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The spirit is exemplified. And character is extraordinary. You know, uh, in Acts chapter 6, when they were appointing deacons in the early church, uh, they had some qualifications that was placed upon those deacons, and the qualifications that was placed upon them was in regards to the fact of their character. In Acts chapter 6, and verse 3, it says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And what was the job or ministry opportunity they were going to fulfill? The job in the ministry opportunity they were going to fulfill was serving tables. And they were like, wait a minute, this matter of serving tables, this ministering to people in the body of Christ requires someone who is righteous someone who has honest reports, someone who is full full of the Holy Ghost, someone who has wisdom from God so that they might understand how to do this business. So we see the expanding or enjoying or developing ministry opportunities. We have resources, reverence. We have righteousness. And then we have the reserved, says hating covetousness. And so, in other words, they're not someone that's just out there trying to make a name for themselves or try to build up their wealth. But they're reserved in that their, their affections are secure, according to Colossians 3.2. Their affections are upon Christ. And I'll tell you, you when you do ministry, you got to have your affections placed upon Christ because people will try to sway you. You know, I always tell people that it's always funny. i tell you, it's great being a pastor. I should write a book. My wife keeps telling me, you ought to write a book. I think I will someday. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I remember uh, people over the years, uh, you know, one guy was in church. Oh, pastor, we love you and all this, that, and the other. And it was like six months later, he left the church hating me. And uh, it, I'm like, what? come on. You know, folks, this this is the church of Jesus Christ. And it is a house of worship and it is a ministry to bring people to Christ. And those that are involved in it are people just like everybody is people. And our affections need to be secure in Christ because the reality is people don't always respond in a positive way. And so we need to to, uh, I remember a fellow years ago said I lied in the pulpit, and I was talking about one of my stories from all the farm, and I was saying about cows, you know, when we cut the horns on the cows and they would bleed, of course, and you'd have to put cobwebs on their horns and all this, that, and the other, stop the bleeding. And when you'd let them out in the herd, I mean, the rest of the herd would smell that blood and they would chase that cow up and down the field. And it was amazing because that cow had used her horns to abuse the other cows. Now she doesn't have her horns and now she's bleeding and that blood, that smell of that blood, those cows would go crazy. We had one cow, they almost killed. We had to literally drive the cows away from her to be able to protect her, it was so bad. And I had this fellow that was coming out to church back then and he said, I'm not coming out to church anymore, you lied in church. I said, what are you talking about, a light in church? He said, you said about those cows chasing the other cow up and down the field. And I was raised on a farm, and I had never seen that. I'm saying, okay, so you didn't experience what I experienced on the farm, so that means your experience outweighs my experience. So because you didn't experience what I experienced, I'm telling a lie in reference to my experience. Well, man, I'll tell you. I said, that makes no, I said, do you understand how that doesn't make any sense? Well, I don't care. You lied. I said, well, I didn't lie. This is the truth. And it's happened more than one time. And he left the church. I mean, he left in a huff. He was mad, madder than a wet hen. Amen. What is the problem? His affections were not secure in Christ. That's what the problem was, and that's why he never got involved in ministry. Why he was here, he never uh, was committed to the local church because his affections weren't secure in Christ. So affections are affections are secure. Possessions are stable. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul deals with this whole matter of giving and how the Macedonian church gave out of poverty. Listen, their possessions were stable. Uh, They didn't count what they had as their own. And we need to, I really believe with all my heart, and I've done this ever since I've been saved, is everything that I have, I look at it, it's not mine. I look at it as as it's the Lord's. And God can do what he wants with it. When I went to Bible college, I told the Lord, my nice, brand new 1979 Monte Carlo with chrome wheels and everything else. I told the Lord, I'll go into ministry, even if it, I learned there's are ways you shouldn't pray. <laughs> and I prayed, said, Lord, I want you to use me, and I'll tell you I'm willing to go into ministry. And I said, even if it means I've got to give up my new car. You know what God said? He said, okay. And he took it. He took it. But that was okay because I gave it to God anyway. And so my possessions are stable because it's not about what I own, what I have or what my abilities are. It's about what God gave me and to lent to me to use for his glory. And then devotions are settled. And devotions are settled. In other words, who are you going to be devoted to? We need to be devoted to each other. I remember I first came here 25 years ago, I'd go and visit people who had stopped coming to the church, try to uh, bring them back into the church, and so they wouldn't fall by the wayside. And we were able to bring many people back. But I'll tell you what, when I went visiting, there were some people who had some very unkind things to say about Ocean County Baptist Church and about the people in the church. And when they started, you know what I did? I told them, I said, I don't want to hear it. I want to hear it all. There may have been problems there. There may have been problems with you with somebody in that church, but I don't want to hear it because you're worse than they are. You're gossiping about them. I said, and I'm here to encourage you to get right with God and come back to the church and be in fellowship with the church and minister within the church. That's what I'm here for, but I'm not here to listen to you down and cut apart believers in Christ. It would be well if Christians would respond that way when people start gossiping about another Christian. Devotion that is real. Well, here's the last thought. I gotta get done. We gotta do this business meeting. The ruler. So you have the resource, the reverence, the righteous, the reserved, and the ruler. Notice he says to be rulers. Uh, it's a real position. God has a place for you to fill in the ministry of Christ. It may be just a position of prayer. And I hesitate to say it that way because prayer is not just prayer. Prayer is so vitally important for us to be able to accomplish anything. So it might be prayer... It may be soul winning, it may be teaching, it may be singing, it may be, uh, I remember years ago we had a church member here just sent cards out, birthday cards to people in the church, members of the church. Or if they were sick, they would, she would send out cards and say, I'm praying for you. you realize how much of a ministry that was? She's in heaven, been in heaven for quite a while now, and I'm going to tell you something, that's a gap in the ministry. Because that's a, that's a source of encouragement, that a position of ministry that is real. So it's a real position. It's a rank position. Yes, uh, you might be placed over top of someone. Uh, you might be responsible for a group of people. Uh, realize that if God so opens that door up, then you have an obligation responsibility to lead them in, in w- their walk with God. And then it's a rewarded position. Uh, But brethren, be not weary in well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. And there's a rewarded position. Uh, God always blesses and rewards us uh, beyond our talents and abilities to deserve the reward. And so what a great, great chapter here with Moses. Moses is receiving instruction from his father-in-law. And uh, he's given a good sound instruction. And when you think about 2020, and we think about Ocean County Baptist Church, as we go into our annual church meeting, let's have on our minds and on our hearts, that wait a minute, this is a new year with new opportunities. How can I be plugged in and minister within the body of Christ? And I'll guarantee you, God will show you things that you never thought that you could do. And you'll be a blessing to others. And uh, I just, if you're not a member of the church, you need to join the church. You need to get that taken care of. You're not saved. You need to be saved. If you haven't been baptized, we have baptisms coming up in February, February the 2nd, and you need to be baptized. And you need to identify with and connect with the body of Christ in this local church. Ministry opportunities. I'm always looking for things to do. I, I was talking to Dr. Shoemaker last time. He was here, he stopped in, and I told him, I said, Dr. Shoemaker, I just feel like doing something big for God. (laughs) He looked at me and said, "Uh, brother, I have to submit to you, I think you already have. And I'm like, well, I don't know, I want to do more. I really do, I want to do more. I believe God has greater things for this church. And I don't even know what they are. But I know this, I don't want to miss out on one thing. Not one thing. God, bring it on. Amen? And give us the opportunity to minister for thy glory. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be together tonight. Uh, We love you, Lord. It's amazing to see what you do in our life. There's so many life experiences, positive, negative things, whatever it may be. But God, you're greater than all these things. The outcome and the the end is greater than what we can experience in in a negative way. And we're thankful that there's constantly, constantly open opportunities to minister within the body of Christ. Holy Spirit of God, impress upon our hearts what you would have each one of us do. And God will be careful, will be sensitive, will be Christ-honoring to respond to that call. And fulfill it for the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.